philosopher known commonly in the West as Confucius was quoted as saying this about wisdom. By three methods we may learn wisdom. First, by reflection, which is noblest. Second, by imitation, which is easiest. And third, by experience, which is bitterest. I don't teach a lot of Chinese philosophy from up here generally, but the guy had a point. Wisdom is, is one of those things that is universally approved of. Uh, it's universally sought after, which means from any culture and any religion, everyone respects and seeks wisdom. And we all have some general ideas about what it is and where it comes from. But if we're going to get wisdom by reflection, which we're going to try to do this morning, just like thinking, what do we think about? If we're going to try to get it by imitation, who do we imitate? What does it look like? And we all know that Experience can bring wisdom. But I know a lot of people who have made a lot of mistakes and they don't seem to be getting a lot wiser, if I'm honest. How do we know if our experience, all those mistakes, it's, it's been said that a wise person learns from the mistakes of others because no one lives long enough to make them all himself. Like, how do, we, how do I know if my mistakes are making me wiser or maybe I'm just sort of becoming more isolated? I mean, is it wise to just never take any risks so I don't get hurt? What does wisdom look like in the life of a Christian? That's what we want to talk about this morning. What we're talking about when we discuss wisdom, James uh, mentioned wisdom earlier in this book, and we've talked about it already. When we talked about wisdom before, we used this definition, but we looked at how similar it is to just secular uh, definitions of wisdom, because everyone more or less agrees what wisdom is. When I talk about wisdom, this is what I'm talking about. Wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. So wisdom is the ability to see what's really best, what's really going to last. But not just the ability to see it, but the, the inclination to choose to pursue that and the ability to see and discern what is the best way to get at it. That's wisdom. But what is what's highest and what's best and what does it look like if that's happening in my life? It should come as no surprise that in a book like James, which is about maturing in Christ, becoming more and more like Jesus, like that's not happening without wisdom, right? So what we're going to do this morning as we read James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18 James is going to, he's, he's going to give us some characteristics of what real wisdom will look like so that we can recognize it when we see it. 
Then James is going to give us also, and we're going to have to skip around a bit to to organize it this way, but he's going to give us also a couple characteristics of something that seems like wisdom, but it's not actual wisdom, false wisdom. And then we'll talk about the results of leaning on either one. What will happen in my life if if I utilize this kind of false wisdom? What will happen in my life if I'm growing in true wisdom. That's where we're going this morning. Let's get to it. Let's read James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18 and they read this way. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and in that manner lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, it's natural, it's demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruit, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. There's our passage. We start this morning in the very beginning of verse 13 where James asks the question that controls the rest of this passage. It's just this. Who among you is wise and understanding? This is, this is a genius question. As soon as James asks the question, if you will consider the question, James has got you right where he wants you. And it doesn't matter how you answer it. Because James, basically, if this was a live show, James would be asking for a show of hands. All right, where are all my wise people at this morning? Raise your hand if you are wise. Now, Most of us probably wouldn't raise our hand. That would seem like a very unwise thing to do in front of a group of people, right? But here's what James is doing. You know, even though you wouldn't raise your hand, maybe, if I just ask you, do you you consider yourself to be wise or growing in wisdom? You might have in the back of our minds, there might be some little hands going up back here, right? In the back of our minds. And that's okay, but if, if you wouldn't raise your hand, then James would say, well, isn't that what you want? So no matter how you answer that question, do you consider yourself a wise person? If you say you'd raise the hand of your heart and say, yes, I do, well, then James is going to say, well, let's test that. It's important to remember what Warren Wearsby said about reading the Bible. It is important to read this book, but more importantly, It's important to let this book read you. And so if you would consider yourself wise, and that's okay because we should all want to be wise. It's a good thing. If we consider ourselves to be more or less wise, then we need to read and see what that actually looks like, what the characteristics of it are, so that we can see whether or not that's true. And if on the other hand, you wouldn't raise your hand, oh no, not me, then James would say, well, isn't that what you want? Because it should be. Wisdom is a good thing and it's available. He's already told us that. 
So for the rest of our time this morning, the biggest chunk is going to be spent in just two verses, the rest of verse 13 and verse 17, because it's there that James lays out some characteristics of true wisdom. If you, if you look down at verse 17, it's what James calls the wisdom that comes from above or the wisdom that comes from heaven. He's already told us that God is the one who gives all good things. Wisdom is one of those good things. There is no wisdom that God doesn't call wisdom. So that's what James is talking about, this, this biblical wisdom, godly wisdom. And and in these two verses, James lays out a list of characteristics of what real wisdom will look like. But before we even look at the characteristics, one at a time, which we will, I want you to see this. He asks, who's wise and understanding? Because if you are, you should show it by your good life, by your good deeds, by your good conduct. And here's what we learn from that before we read anything else. Wisdom is measured in conduct, in how I act, in how I talk, in how I respond. Wisdom is not measured in knowledge. I can't hand out a test of Bible knowledge to you and, and grade those tests. And whoever gets the highest score are, are the wisest people in our church. That's not the way wisdom works. Wisdom is shown by conduct. That's what James says. And it only makes sense if we go back to the, the definition of wisdom that we use. If wisdom is not just the power to, to know what is good and best, but it is, it's the inclination to pursue it and the, the discernment to see how to get at what's best, what will last, what's really ultimately good. Well, it only makes sense that we will see that pursuit in the way someone lives. So, are you wise? Well, then let's look at how we live. And now let's go one at a time through these characteristics of true wisdom. The first one, and these, some of these get translated a number of different ways, so I'll put the Greek word on here, just to, and then you can find it in your own translation there. The first one, up in verse 13, the, the good life, the good deeds, the good conduct that comes from wisdom starts here, James says, this translation says humility. The Greek word is something like proutes, which means gentleness, humility, or meekness, the the, the leading lexicon of biblical Greek defines this word proutes this way. It's the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's own self-importance. That definition tickled me. I'm not even sure why. But when James wants to start telling us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit what wisdom looks like coming out of someone, he starts right here. A wise person's not overly impressed with himself or herself. A wise person then is not fixated so much on what, what I can be, what I might be, what I could be. And that will look like, I'm not crazy about the, the translation gentleness. That's listed later under a better word for that. But it looks humble. It looks, I think meek is the best word here. If someone is meek, if, we, if you have meekness, 
It doesn't mean you're nobody. It doesn't mean you have nothing and you have no talent or ability. It just means that's not the focus. That stuff is bridled. Like Jesus, he'll be the example of all of these things. Jesus was meek. It's not that he wasn't really something. He was really everything. He was the most something, something whoever was. But like you couldn't tell by being around him that he was the point of the entire universe, even though he was the point of the entire universe. He bridled that. Wisdom is shown by someone who understands they are not the point. Which makes us other, others focused. And we can do this with every one of these characteristics. If my general behavior, reactions, responses, words, if they're not humble, other-focused, meek, if I'm making much of myself, then James would say, I'm not wise. Next characteristic. We've got to skip down now into verse 17 where we get the bulk of this list of the characteristics of this wisdom that comes from heaven. Next, James says that it is pure. Now for James, this word for pure, this usage of the word pure, is not specifically moral purity, though that would come with this. For James, this purity is about his devotion to God or about someone's devotion to God, being purely devoted to God. There is no such thing as me pursuing something that's not devotion to God and that turning into wisdom. For James, the opposite of this kind of purity, pure devotion to God, the exact opposite would be someone who is purely devoted to his or her pleasures, like a hedonistic lifestyle. Now, will that look like moral, what we call moral impurity? Of course, but that's kind of a symptom. The problem is their devotion is purely to their own feelings, how they feel right now, what they want. And if we're honest, most of us can't say we're in either of those camps. We are the ones that get caught in the middle of those two, aren't we? At our best, at our most wise, at our wisest, we are devoted to God and what He wants until our desires aren't being met and suddenly we wind up chasing our desires even though we know it's unwise. And we become this mix of those two things, which is what James called earlier that, that uh, double-minded man who's unstable in all of his ways. His problem is He's not pure in his devotion to what God says is best. At times I am. At times I'm chasing my own desires and I crash back and forth between those two. That's unwise. The next characteristic of real wisdom. James says is real wisdom is peace-loving or peaceable. Godly wisdom, true wisdom pursues peace Harder than it pursues the conflict, the criticisms. We are following, we're supposed to be growing in likeness to Jesus, who was famously called the Prince of Peace. Jesus loves 
reconciliation. It's why he came. Jesus said, some of the people in the world who will be blessed are the peacemakers. Those people who have a desire to see themselves be at peace with God, others be at peace with God, and others be at peace with them. If my behavior isn't as a peace pursuer, am I wise? Wisdom pursues peace more than it pursues the victory in the conflict. Because of that, James says next, that true wisdom is this uh, epia case, something like that, epia case, comes across in this translation as considerate. This is the one that means gentle or considerate. Real, real wisdom is, catch this, it makes someone kind, like nice, courteous. This should go without saying, but it's wise to be nice. It's unwise to be unkind. And when when my heart, and this happens to me, when my heart gets so full of stuff that it's extremely hard for me to be kind, then guess who has some work to do? Me. That's when I have to go to the Lord to download the stuff that's making everything the straw that breaks the camel's back constantly. I have to go and do the the repeated, habitual hard work of forgiveness, confession, repentance. That is the only thing God gives to clean that stuff out of my heart. If I am not kind, if I'm not nice, I cannot say, well, that is because, and give you the list of what someone else does that makes me like this and think I'm being wise. Because under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, James says, that's not wisdom. It's natural. It's normal. But it ain't wise. But it ain't wise. Because wisdom is considerate, it's kind, it's gentle. It cares what its words do to someone else. Like we talked about last week, regardless of what they've done. Next, James says, after saying, be kind, it's wise. Next, James says that Real wisdom is, this one says, submissive up here. Uh, Eupithes is the Greek word. It just means accommodating, reasonable, submissive. Boy, there's a dirty word for you. Willing to yield, open to reason. Because wisdom loves peace, and because wisdom is not overly impressed with self, and because wisdom is kind, That means when I am wise, 
that will lead me to accommodate others and like who they are, sometimes how they act. It is willing to yield. It doesn't demand its own way. Wisdom is, James says next, full of mercy and good fruit. Full of mercy and good fruit. Mercy, simply put, is refusing to give consequences that someone else actually truly deserves. You know, it's unwise to keep track of what someone else does so that when I see it again, I can give them the consequences they actually deserve. It's natural, but it ain't wise. What's wise is to refuse to give someone the consequences he or she deserves. It's unwise to be in the habit of being a consequence giver. It's wise to be filled with mercy and then filled with, he just says, good fruit. And that should be singular, even though some of our Bibles make it plural. And then he doesn't tell us what that good fruit is. But because we just read Galatians together, we know. Here's why fruit is such an effective metaphor here. Fruit is always grown for other people to enjoy. Trees don't eat their own fruit. Trees or grapevines, they don't grow fruit so that they can tell everyone else what a great tree they are, right? Fruit is grown to be enjoyed by others. The fruit of wisdom is the same way. It should look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. There's a lot of similarities in that list to what James is talking about wisdom looks like. And that stuff should be enjoyed by others, which means if I'm wise, I'm less likely to give you consequences you deserve and more likely to give you a, the good fruit you don't. Because I love you, because I love peace, because I am purely devoted to what God says is best more than I am even to my own desires. That's what wisdom looks like if it's in control in my life. Wisdom next, according to James, ediacritas, which comes into English as undivided or impartial or without favoritism. We spent a whole sermon on this idea of partiality uh, and being impartial. It's exactly what James is, is revisiting here, which just means this list of characteristics of biblical wisdom should be pointed at at anyone, at everyone, regardless of where they come from, how much money they have, what race they are a part of, or any of that stuff. And then finally, the last uh, word in verse 17 is that wisdom is, is sincere. Listen to this Greek word. That, the, the prefix is on, which means not. And then the root word is hypocritos. Does that sound like any word you've ever heard of? You hear the word hypocrite in there? On hypocritas, not hypocritical. Wisdom is sincere. It's honest. 
Now listen, that means if I am wise, I'm honest about my faults. I'm honest about where I've messed up. But wisdom also means I'm honest about your faults and where you mess up. It is not wise to enable bad behavior, unwise behavior. It is wise at times to confront. But I have to do that with an eye toward the rest of the things on this list. Which means when I come to confront you, if I am mean and angry and confronting in a way that tries to make you feel the way I want to make you feel, giving consequences, if I'm inconsiderate, if I'm demanding of my way, it doesn't matter how honest I am, I'm not wise. But wisdom is open. Wisdom is sincere. Wisdom does not have hidden motives, an agenda that's unannounced. It doesn't hide behind a manipulation. It doesn't package conversations. It's not constantly figuring out, how can I say this in a way where I will get the result I want without saying what I actually mean? All of that is the conduct that will come out of us when we are wise. And when, that's, when that stuff doesn't come out of us, James would say, we're not being wise. But James is no dummy. James understands that if he would just, if he would just give that list of characteristics... If we would do this, if we would write out that list of characteristics, um, all right, I'm going to describe something by be a gentle, meek, uh, peace-loving, purely devoted to God, submissive, merciful, impartial, and sincere. Nobody would say, oh, you're describing wisdom. Because the rest of the world doesn't think that would be the wise way to live. The rest of the world would say, that would make you, that would, that would make you like a pushover. That would make you a doormat. It wouldn't be wise to live that way. You'll never get what you want. James knows this is not the, the, the way the rest of the world defines and describes wisdom. That's what he talks about in verses 14 and 15. This other brand of giant air quotes wisdom that's not real wisdom. I want to, I'll call it unwisdom. James says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above. It is earthly, sensual, and demonic, this translation says. He says, there is a kind of wisdom that other people call wisdom. The world calls wisdom, but it doesn't come from God, so it's not really wisdom. Where does it come from? Well, it agrees with its earthly, sensual, and demonic. We see this trio elsewhere in the scriptures just called the world, the flesh, and the devil. This kind of wisdom, it's earthly, it's worldly, which just means it matches the world system. The world knows how to get its way using different characteristics 
than the ones we just studied. The middle word in, in this translation that says sensual, don't think that is a more like sinful, more sexual word than it actually is. It just means fleshly. We all have a flesh. What we learn from this word, this word is that there's a kind of wisdom that I feel like is wisdom that God would say is not wisdom. When I'm on autopilot, when I'm just doing what comes natural to me, I will do stuff that I think is the smartest way to go about things that God would say is not wise. For example, I know the way to get my way. I will, I will just raise the emotional temperature through anger, through consequences, through criticism. And I'll make it clear that if you want rid of the consequences, you better behave the way I want you to behave. My brain, my flesh might tell me that's the smartest way to get the results you want. Some would call that wisdom. James would call that earthly, fleshly, and demonic. He gives just a couple of characteristics of this kind of, this unwisdom, this not really wisdom, wisdom. He says, anytime you have bitter envy and self-seeking, selfishness in your hearts, you're using not real wisdom. Here's the way this looks. Let's say I see someone, one of you maybe, who is respected. And you know what? I really want to be respected. Or I see someone who is successful. But I really want to be successful. I see someone who is accepted, who is popular. I want to be accepted and I want to be popular. My unwisdom, fleshly, natural wisdom may kick in. Because there's envy. There's this bitter envy behind it. And then it will work like this. My fleshly wisdom will be just smart enough to look at that person who's successful, that person who is accepted, that person who is listened to, that person who is whatever. And my not really wisdom, wisdom will be just smart enough to poke holes in what they say, to explain away the good they do, so that nobody else actually would really, in their right mind, would think of them as successful, respectful, whatever. You find yourself with this kind of wisdom listening, but listening just for what to disagree with. Listening for what I can use against whoever. That is, that's the, this kind of wisdom that really is self-seeking and envious. And I think that probably sounds familiar to all of us. You know why? Because I, w- I should have used a translation that said natural right here, because that's what that word means. Because this is very natural. It comes with the package of being born a sinner. This is... 
this thought, and we, don't, we would never say this out loud, but if I can find the holes in what that person's doing, in what that person says, if I'm the one that can always find the problems, then really I must be the one worth listening to. James says when we do that, when we're filled with bitter envy and self-seeking, because we want what we think someone else has, in that way we boast and lie against the truth. Now, that boast and lying against the truth can be very literal. Like I really could like sort of, you know, go around bragging that I am what that person claims to be and telling literal lies about that person. I don't think that's necessarily what James has in mind. I think what James has in mind is we, we wind up uh, fueled by our envy and, and selfish desires and then we start arranging conversations and saying things to try to pass them off as wisdom and that's the lie against the truth. The, the lie is that's not wisdom. It's not wise. Because wisdom looks like kindness and being accommodating and not giving the consequences that people uh, deserve. We cannot uh, pass off thoughts that stem from selfish, bitter, jealous motives and, and pass them off like they are wise. We feel this a lot when we really want to start on the team, but someone else gets to start on the team. Or we really want our kid to play, but someone else's kid gets to play. And then as we watch that other kid play, what are we looking for? Every, we, it, we, we fixate on every little thing that person does wrong. Because it feeds this idea that my kid or I should be should be there. It's easy to see in sports, but we do this over and over in all of our, our relationships. It just comes natural. We have to understand, real wisdom comes apart from us. We're not born with it. Now, if we operate our lives with this sort of wisdom that's that behind it is envy and self-seeking, selfishness, what's our life going to look like? Glad you asked. Because next, James tells us, the results of unwisdom come in verse 16. For where there is jealousy and selfishness. You see what James is saying right there? He just told us this. These are the two hallmark characteristics of sensual, fleshly, demonic, earthly wisdom. It comes from envy, jealousy, and self-seeking, selfishness. If you operate that way, look what you're going to have. You're going to have disorder and every evil practice. Now, James is not saying, if you find someone who operates out of envy and selfishness, oh, that person commits every evil practice you can even think of, they're doing it. That's not what he means. But what he's saying is, in general, this not wisdom sort of wisdom, this worldly sort of wisdom, the natural sort of wisdom that comes with us when we are born, it can be used to justify all kinds of things that God hates. And every time 
We do, we say, we have the habit of doing something that God hates, yet we can convince someone else why it's understandable in this situation, why it really isn't that big of a deal for me. I promise you we are using the unwisdom kind of wisdom. Every time we uh, try to excuse away justify how angry I am and how I use my anger to try to get the results I want. Well, of course, let me tell you, let me tell you a list of what someone else does that has made me this way. False wisdom. Every time I, I try to explain away um, my addictions, um, why I drink too much, why it's not that big of a deal. Was I explain away and justify why I look at porn, why I flirt at work, why when I travel and my spouse isn't around, I flirt, I see who might respond, pay attention to me. Can I explain that away by what desires I am not getting fulfilled? Of course I can, but not through real wisdom. Godly wisdom, it just isn't like that. This other kind of wisdom, like if you pull up the rug, you'll find this, this false kind of wisdom can cover up all kinds of filth that's swept under there where godly wisdom is purely devoted to God. And it can be open. Why? Because the stuff's been cleaned out from under the rug. Because I'm not living by my devotion to what I want and how I want to feel and what I want to achieve or have or any of those things. So where you have that false kind of selfishness, there's every evil practice. And there's also this word, disorder. Uh, your, your translation might have confusion. It's just a word that describes uh, instability. Uh, an unsettled state of affairs. Where just nothing can be steady for very long. You know, it never ceases to amaze me. How, how the people with the most unsettled lives... The people who never seem to be able to be content, to be at peace, to be happy for very long, to be happy with many people are the loudest proclaimers of how everyone else ought to think and live. Pay attention in the rest of the world. You will see it all the time. In, a, in the long list of what's wrong with social media, this is one of the wrongest. Because it, it gives people with no stability and order and, and peace in their lives a, a seeming platform and audience to proclaim stuff. I read a, a, an article from a, uh, from a pastor recently talking about this. Where it's like I, where we, can, we can proclaim these things and get like five likes from people who either like everything on Facebook or don't even read what they like. 
And it makes me feel wise, like I've got it together. But what James is saying is when there is chaos and damaged relationships and disorder in my life, do you know what my biggest problem is? I lack wisdom. Me. Because wisdom comes from knowing the Lord. Can you know the Lord when everybody else is a jerk? Yes. Can the Prince of Peace reign in your heart when everyone else is an idiot? Yes. What does my life look like if I have wisdom? That's the last verse of our passage. It is a harvest of righteousness sown in peace by those who tend to make peace. That's the results of a godly kind of wisdom. A harvest of righteousness, of obedience that is sown. It's planted by people who love peace, who tend to make peace. That's why a person who is wise, even like in Eastern cultures, there's, there's the, the, the ideal of some wise person, they don't know God, they, they, they don't know Christ, but it'll always be someone who is at peace no matter what. Because there's this feeling that we just understand if I have wisdom, I'll be at peace. I'll be calm. Do you know why everybody thinks that? Because it's true. When I have no calm, when I have no peace, when I have no contentment, my biggest need is wisdom. Solomon in Proverbs says, if you call out, he's talking about wisdom here, for insight and cry aloud for understanding. If you look for it, if you really are looking for wisdom, the way you'd search for silver or hidden treasure, then then you'll get it. You'll understand the fear of the Lord and you'll find the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Do you hear what Solomon says? The wisest person in the world says, if, you, if wisdom is actually what you're looking for, you're not looking to try to get your way. You're not looking to try to get your pleasures met. You're not looking for, you're just looking for wisdom and you dig for it and you see it as the goal and getting peace in the middle of this storm, not trying to control the weather. He says, good news. Your God will give it. But the first thing we have to understand if we're going to get wisdom is we have to understand our lack of wisdom. And how do we tell if we're lacking wisdom? Well, If I am fixated on a position either that I do have or wish I had. If I'm fixated on someone else's faults so that I can give them consequences. If my devotion where I'm honest crashes back and forth between my desires and my God. If my words and my behavior are just kind of mean and harsh and hurtful. 
if I do not do what I need to do for there to be peace. If I'm not kind, if I'm unwilling to yield and I demand my way, if I'm a consequence giver, if I'm hypocritical, if I'm partial, my problem is a lack of wisdom because that's what wisdom looks like. How do I know if I'm growing in wisdom? Well, when you start to catch yourself, oh wait, I know I'm listening for an ear to just find something wrong, to poke holes. When I catch myself doing that, I'm growing in wisdom. When, when I feel like saying something extremely unkind and I go to the Lord and say, God, I know that's not wise. Can you help me with what is in my heart that is, that is that's causing me to feel that way, to want to do that thing because I want to be wise? I, when I start to search for peace through wisdom, harder than I search for peace by changing my circumstances, that's when I'll know I'm growing in this thing. So let me ask you James's quest, question. Where are my wise folks at? Anybody? We all say, well, I used to think I was wise until you beat that out of me over the last 30 minutes, Pastor Man. Listen, we can grow in this. You and me, we really can. Purely devoted to its source. Understanding what it does and does not look like. And what, what might God do? With a, with a bunch of regular folks growing in wisdom. Let's pray. Our Father, um, we read what wisdom looks like and then we think about what our lives look like and we're not there. But wisdom is good. It is what we want and we can grow in it. God, will you show us uh, what we tend to use to try to get toward peace and contentment and how it is different from wisdom. Then will you help us to grow in what is truly wise, which is to be purely devoted to you so that we can have that peace that makes no sense, that peace that transcends all understanding. God, that you would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus in such a way where we can be at peace, shalom, well-being, contentment, in spite of the way the storm rages around us. Will you hide our hearts in Christ so much that our peace doesn't waver regardless of what others do. We pray for peace because we pray for wisdom. Help us mine for it like hidden treasure. In Christ's name, amen. Just stand up with us and we'll finish our time together.